Point Guard is a production of iHeartRadio. J. Kidd like to try to put smaller guards in the post. And this is why I learned, you know how like they post you and you post to use that orange ball. When I put my hand out into his back to stand him up, he tried to turn immediately and elbow me on my wrist. And as he did that, we like collided and fell. Right? Because I'm going to lock up and fall with you. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to break that shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? We back. The Oracle, the Savant, the Wooden Disciple. Mr. Details. Earl Watson. It's time to dive into what it was like to play against, play with, coach some of the NBA's greatest point guards. Point Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Baron Davis. This is Slick on iHeartRadio. Our freshman year, you know, talk about that because that shit was like a weird-ass year because, you know, I remember leaving the last time we played the pros in the summer and, and they we walking out the gym. They was like, man, we going to kick y'all ass. Y'all come back without a national championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then first day of school, Shea Cotton, SAT, NCAA, yeah. that was some bullshit. He get nicks. A week in the school, Chris Johnson, yeah. Jelani McCoy, they get hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, we already was going through, you know, like, we we're trying to find ourselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, overall, like, talk about that freshman year because I think that freshman year was really, like, a learning. For me, it was a hell of a learning experience to, like, play the backseat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. not really, like, like – <clears throat> I don't know. I was just like, I didn't have the Kobe thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I wasn't, like, I wanted to, like, be a point guard. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that, you know, it, it taught me to, like, one, play off the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? And play more like a <clears throat> league guard. But, two, it, it it also taught me that it was cool to take a back seat to yeah. the seniors. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting, dude, like, but I, I felt like we were ready to like I, like you know what I mean like it. I learned this from Hubie Brown. This is this is big. Um, every so when you start a season, a coach has to evaluate and make a decision, and you have to get every player identity, mm-hmm. and they have to know their identity. And one thing about players is we don't always want to be held in the box. Mm-hmm. But if you tell us who we're going to be in order for us to be successful, we might not like it. We might not like it, but we will commit to it because yeah. we we know who we are. Because you want to play. Because you want to play. Yeah. And I think when everything happened, it was Coach Lav didn't have enough time to give anyone identity. It's kind of like you're going to earn your identity in practice. And so when we played that freshman year, the first two freshmen to start at UCLA in the backcourt in 97 since 79, yep. coming off a, a – a year removed from an NCAA championship. Yeah, there's the, a lot. We went yeah. there to win yeah. a championship. Not just win. We no, won, sure. but we wanted to win a championship. So for us, the pressure was on us. And then I will see for you, it was more pressure than anything because you you from here. Yeah. like You know what I'm saying? It was a lot of pressure, but just seeing how you handled it and seeing the family support and being in the games and – um it was a learning experience for all of us because I've never seen that much media presence 
covering a basketball team in my life. It was like at that time the <laughs> Lakers crazy. and us were like equal in yeah. the city as far as yeah. media coverage and yep. expectations. For sure. I totally agree. And I think, you know, we have we have some we have some dope we I learned a lot from the seniors. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, you know, it, it was almost like when we got there, like <clears throat> it was just a lot of like dysfunction that happened. It was a lot of dysfunction happening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, you got a coach that's, like, 30-some years old. Like, when I look back at it, people be like, yo, like, I didn't realize how young Lav was. Yeah. Bro, if I was 32 and the coach – can you imagine if I was 32 head coach at UCLA? Yeah. Tough. I probably would never come to practice, bro. Yeah, it's tough. And, and <laughs> I'll tell you this: the, the I'll hardest, probably get fired for not coming to practice. <laughs> the hardest thing, the hardest thing to do is to coach talent. Yeah, and That's, shout out to Lav though, yeah. because Lav like it was almost like he was uh like we want like we wanted to win for him. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like we just couldn't fit. Like I, I always felt like we just didn't have we couldn't bottle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we didn't have a consistent way that freshman yeah. year of, like, what we doing. You know yeah. what I mean? Because the seniors were like, well, shit, like, Lav, you know, they didn't, they didn't have, you know what I mean? Like, Lav was, like, the assistant coach yeah. when they were freshmen. Yeah. So that would be <clears throat> us being seniors playing for, like, Coach Spence. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it was like the dynamic was a little weird. And everybody was trying to get pro. And I remember that. It yeah. was just a lot. It was a lot of, it was a lot of, it was a lot of craziness. Yeah. And that's when I thought LA was crazy. Yeah. It was a lot. Like, of you know what I mean? Like, for me, it was like, um, I say this all the time from, because I'm always from the outside looking into LA at that time, right? I'm like, yo, it's so much, so much opportunity and resources that I think, you know, our team took for granted. And this is what's crazy about UCLA. Like, you know, you said it's had an amazing Final Four run. Yep. It doesn't matter. Got to win a national Got to win a national Ben Howland would still be here if that's the case. It yeah. doesn't matter. If Lav was somewhere else having the success that he had at UCLA, he would oh still God, be there. For sure. Like statue and all, but for UCLA sure. is everything or nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of like that pressure. And then you talk about the classroom. The classroom, the academics are just as challenging as the game. Yeah. So you had – remember we had uh, the professor – from higher learning, the knowledge, the knowledge. He called on me every time in class, and I never read. Hey, <laughs> he would just call. I was like, "Dude, you know I did not read hey, that that book <laughs> last night." But he he, he was made, smacking though. He was smacking. He was His cold. Class was smacking. He was cold, but he made me be a better student. Yep. You know what I mean? So you, you talk about UCLA basketball and academics to go hand in hand. But I remember first scrimmage game. I never I never guarded you because we always on the same team. You came down and you crossed the shit out of me. <laughs> it was so quick. I was like, yo, he been holding back. <laughs> Hit me with a game move. And that's, that's when I started studying you. You yeah. know, and it made nah. me a better defender and a better player, you know, for the rest of my career. And then talk about, like, let's talk about your career because, you know, when we talk about point God and what it takes to be a point God, it's like the God-given talent. You know what I mean? And, like, I believe that, Point guys maximize everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just the glitz and glamour. It's not just the motherfucker who made it to the NBA. It's like the essence and the appreciation 
for someone who defines their artistry. Yeah. So I'm going to start with this question since we ask this question all the time. If you were to pick three artists or three people that would define Earl Watson outside of sports and like the art form, how would you describe your game or to these people? My game, uh, I have to go with Pac. Mm-hmm. You know, and I say Pac for a simple fact that um, basketball was just a platform for me to not only express my talents, mm-hmm. but also have a platform to have a voice and be unapologetic, right? Because yep. it goes hand in hand. And then, you know, X, who just recently passed away because Rest I didn't mind sex. mixing shit up, mm-hmm. like on the court, you know, sometimes Dog. sometimes that hood has just come out of me. Dog. Right? And then last but not least, man, I always feel like, um, you can take any artist, any painter. Um, basketball is abstract art, yeah. and it's 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 amazing and dope once you learn how to manipulate the offense and defense in different ways. And um, so, any artist that loves to paint, that we just leave that as like X artist, like X meaning no, any man, artist. I can't do that. X, you gotta. Who's I mean, your favorite artist? I mean, I'm, like I consider like I like you know like I would say I'm Basquiat. Yeah. Cause I'm all over the place. You yeah. know what I mean? I like, I'm coming to the game, whatever happened, we showing up, we running. You know what I mean? So yeah. that would be my art. I'm going to throw it to one of the homies, Brian Pauly Dixon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's, yeah. he, he is always evolving his art. Former UCLA football player. He's dope. Um, and for me, that's what basketball is, dog. Like, so this is interesting, man. Like, Shout out to Brian Pauly yeah. Dixon too, man. Yeah. He's fucking fire. He's dope. Josh Ship is fire too. I got I got a, a Pauly Dixon uh piece that is just is 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 a, is a Kaepernick piece. It's just dope. So like when when we see the game as mm-hmm. point guards, we see it from half court to rim, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because we see a lot of things that a lot of players don't see. Mm-hmm. Wings see it from sideline to rim. Mm-hmm. Center see it from rim to half court. And this is when I learned with coaching is. Um, because when you don't play anymore, you don't move around, you got to walk around the court yep. to see the angles. Because you, you'll forget them if you don't walk around and see them when you're in practice. Mm-hmm. And you got to always understand there's so many ways to play the game. You have the vertical, which is rim to rim. You have horizontal, which is sideline to sideline. Then you have the angles, angles, right? And this is when players are not maximized to their full potential. When a coach tries to make them a horizontal player – horizontal player and they're a vertical player mm-hmm. right or some players are like angle play eric bledsoe's an angle player mm-hmm. ginobili is one of the best angle, angle players. players that angle pick we and was roll. talking to the angler rod strickland cold <laughs> you know what i mean cold I, I will have conversations with rod in the game like he would be dribbling up like hey yo on that last play yeah. and he was like would coach be doing yeah. the game bro that's crazy but then he'd get in the paint and drop a dime like hold yeah. up bro like i'm having a con-. like you know <laughs> yeah he was just he was always willing to give back in that in that way which is super dope um but the basketball is dope man like it's sliced up in so many different ways if you really know the game like when you walking into the game like uh, like when you walk into the game and and what what are you putting in your invisible backpack Right. Yeah. And then when you put your Earl Watson glasses on, right? What 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 are we seeing through your eyes, right? And then what are what do what are we getting? Yo yo yo, we gotta tap in real quick. We, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. 
like when you walking into the game, like uh, like when you walk into the game, and and what what are you putting in your invisible backpack, right? Yeah. And then when you put your Earl Watson glasses on, right? What 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 are we seeing through your eyes, right? And then what are what do what are we getting? You know what I mean? So this is this is interesting. Um, the game changed from when we first got to the league mm-hmm. to when we left the league, and mm-hmm. it's continued to evolve now. How the game is played now is how we played in college. Yep. Um, when we first got in the league, it was hit the post, you know, play out of the post. And then for me, it was throw the GP, Vin Baker, and when the ball comes back to you, you can, you can be active. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it started to evolve and change. When I go with Memphis and Hubie Brown, who was to me the best teacher I've ever had in my life, this is when I really, my game, my mindset evolved. Um, Hubie Brown has these things where he called activation points. Elbows and midpoint, which is the dunker. He called it midpoint. He's old school. Everything is two dribbles removed from a screen to the elbow or the midpoint. That third dribble past the elbow, you in the paint, you got to have game, Jack, mm-hmm. as he would say. You mm-hmm. know, floaters, you would dunk over people, get to the rim and dime late. I had to have a floater, an elbow jump shot, a floater, or keep my dribble, baseline draw, baseline drift. Mm-hmm. Right? Midpoint, pocket pass. Midpoint, jump shot. Midpoint, two dribbles removed from the screen on the step up. I get to that midpoint, and I get past my two dribbles. I'm, I'm searching that baseline on the weak side, which Steve Nash perfected. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the game changed to where we stopped sending players middle defense and sent them baseline, sideline, which we call ice, blue, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. But, as you remember this, one of the best players to to effect that and dominate that was Sam Cassell. You cannot send him baseline and sideline because no. that's where he lived. No. Right? You cannot do that. You cannot. He was dominant on that baseline sideline with a step back or he'll post you up and have a game. So, like, when the game started to evolve and started to shift, you started to notice different patterns. Like, with, with Steve Nash, you know he drilled all his his, his combos. It was drill because you could see him counting in his head like one, two, one leg floor. You could see him just counting, right? So I would try to disrupt his counts. Players like you, it didn't matter how much I disrupted your count. You always had counters because you lived in the free space. Mm -hmm. You just said your artist was unpredictable. You lived in the free space. So what I had to do was try to frustrate you and little elbows and jabs and pick you up full court to get the shot clock down. Because if I could turn you two or three times in the backcourt and you get past half court at 16, that means it's less dribbles and combos after guard when you get it back. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had to be, Time. I had to outthink the game. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be a player while I, I let my game just take over. I had to be way more ahead in the game mentally. Well, man, yeah, let's unpack that because I, I love that. When you talk about when you had to think ahead of the game. Yeah. Right? You're not dealing with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not dealing with GP. You're not dealing with guarding Chris Paul. You're thinking about, yes, this is my man. This is my matchup, right? But, you know, because I would say, like, you are you are really the first defensive guard, right, to be on the po- uh, Point Guard podcast. Like, usually, like, and Isaiah really honed in on defense. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Isaiah is Isaiah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, this perspective of, of of and you know, young young dudes listening and point guards listening is, like, 
defensive point guards and lead point guards, they think pass yeah. the player. Yeah. Because you know which what they what their tendencies are. Yeah. So you're you're playing against futures. Explain that to me. Explain that to them. So for me, it's kind of like controlling the flow of a game because, you know, the game has a flow. Mm-hmm. And whether I started, came off the bench, I wanted to control the flow. So if I'm watching, you know, Young D. Rose, Young D. Rose was so fast in transition <sighs> that everyone would just try to keep up with him. Yeah. What I would do defensive transition is get back and just stop. He always went right into me. Yeah. Right, and I don't. He didn't figure it out until maybe his second or third year, and he started euro stepping. Yeah. And when he euro step, I can't do anything but yeah. foul. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to give that up. Yeah. So you you got those type of tendencies, or you know when you think about this. So I was at OKC, and Ron Adams was their assistant coach. The, to me, the he and Dick Harder, who I played for, both two of the best defensive coaches ever in NBA history mm-hmm. for me. Um, Chuck Daly had all that, you know. Bad boys, all that. But for me, those are my two because I play for him. I'm biased. Mm-hmm. He had a thing of running players off the line. And basketball players are taught to have, you know, controlled reactions and you're mimicked to have habits. Mm-hmm. You close out, chop. You close out, chop. Mm-hmm. You close out, chop. And what he would teach is you run off and you jump past and then you jump back behind, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> when we played OKC, Mm-hmm. All I did was shot fake. I knew they was going to jump past me, so I would jump into them because they've been taught that every day time. in practice. Mm-hmm. So what I started to then do is study <sighs> coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So when you study coaches, and I play for so many teams and so many different coaches, I remembered everything you taught. I still remember our plays from Memphis. Mm-hmm. I remember my plays from Nate McMillan and Dwayne Casey. Mm. I remember my plays from, you know, Indiana when Frank Vogel was an assistant. Like, they call it nose action. That's all that elbow stuff that became better later with Jim O'Brien. I remember everything. And then I got to Jerry Sloan. And, you know, Jerry Sloan autos, right? Jerry Sloan autos was so so big but I was fucking autos man I hate them goddamn hate autos, autos. Uh, but D Will talked about autos I was hey, like yo but, but you know what I the, realized man when, that when, when I played against life. them they wasn't allowed to break the play yeah so I was over pressure cause where they gonna go if it's a 1-4 high D Will talked about that there's nowhere to go he talked about that being his frustration yeah I was over pressure dog so I would be reaching bouncing like no space getting into the, the, the area cause I knew they couldn't go anywhere and then when they couldn't go anywhere, Jerry Sloan would just do this. And that's motion, right? That's just pass and cut. And if you get an NBA team passing and cutting, you're going to lose, bro. Yeah. That ain't what we do, right? You, you have 16 seconds, not 24 seconds. Yeah, pass half court to pass and cut and get mm-hmm. a backdoor. So I knew how to manipulate coaches. I know how to ma- manipulate players. And that allowed me to play 13 years in the NBA when the average career is only three. Right. And I wasn't I wasn't an all-star, mm-hmm. but I knew also analytics. Yep. I knew if I could be the best assist per possession in the top three, I knew I always had a chance to play. Because yep. superstars love playing with players who give them the ball at the right time, right spot. Absolutely. Which is why Ray Allen loved me when yep. I was in Seattle. Yep. I knew how yeah, to, all you know what I'm saying? Like I knew how to snap the pass because yeah. <laughs> I knew like when he was coming off a left shoulder turn, I would hit his left hand. Mm-hmm. 
and he could right shoulder turn, hit his right hand. Right. And he turned so quick it was up. Yep. So you start to learn players and learn patterns and you manipulate the whole game. I love that, man. I love that. And then I wanted to get I wanna also get into like so you played in, you know, thirteen years. That's that's three generations. Yeah. Uh walk me through your first five people. Or who are the first five people you met in the league? You were like, damn. And then when you got into, you know, like the middle part when you, you know, you a vet in that era, who are those five? And then towards the end, yeah. you play with this new generation. Yeah. Like who were your, who were, you know, those, you know, five or five yeah. people that it could, could probably cross in generations as well. I was very blessed, man, to guard you every day in practice at UCLA. So that set my confidence at an all-time high mm-hmm. to play and defend against anyone. And then I get drafted, and I get, and then I have to guard Gary Payton Man. every day in Talk practice. about that, dude. That was GP, G- bro. GP, dog. Let me tell you about the first time I met GP. Because Ross, Ross Strickland just told us a story that uh, he said G, uh, he get into the league, he go to the hole, yeah. and GP just flat out just puts him in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, G- hey bro, GP, what dog. What is wrong with GP, bro? So, you look, we play a pickup. This is before training camp. GP doesn't play. He, co- he walks in late in some overalls, right? Oh, my God. Right? He, he is straight. He's straight R&B thug, right? He walks in with some overalls. And we play pick- And he just wanted to disrupt the whole game. He yells, hey, 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 hey. Hold, hold the fuck up. Hold up. <laughs> he looks at me. I'm like, what the hell? This dude is doing, bro. And I think at that time, like, you know what I'm saying? He's just yelling, right? And I'm like, what's up? He goes, you tell me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so lost, dog. I go, what do you mean? He goes, what do you see out here? Dude, he literally just walks in the gym. He don't see any. I go, what do you see? He go, I see your team tired. Like, yeah, we've been running for like almost two hours. He's a call timeout. I was like, and pick up? He's like, yeah, call a timeout. <laughs> I'm like, all right, timeout. I'm like, now he's like, everybody get some water. Your team tired, you call a timeout, don't you? <laughs> I'm like, all right, this dude just want to be an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never, I don't play pick up four years in a row with Magic Johnson. We ain't never called no damn timeout. Like, you know what I mean? Like, But it is the truth, though. I mean, that's the thing about it. You call timeout hey, in a pickup game ever? Hey, bro. Have you hey, ever called a timeout in a pickup game? Are you gonna let are you gonna let dudes get some water? And <laughs> the rest. Duh. Duh. So I'll call a timeout in a pickup. Okay, that was my introduction to GP, but check this out. So the whole year and through training camp, you know I me. Mean, you I, GP rookie. I, I, I'm GP's rookie, yeah. but, but GP at this time, you know, Nate McMillan, Coach Mill was like, GP doesn't like any rookies. He don't like any point guards. We <laughs> trade them every year, right? I'm like, it's whatever with me. I'm like, you know, I'm from the hood too. It's whatever. So we in practice. I'm picking up GP full court. You know, I could tell he hates it. I get him mad. You know what I mean? Like, cause he, cause he gonna back you down all hey, the way bro, full court, especially practice. Uh, like he is training not, camp. Hey, uh, he is not. He for, is. Oh, he man. is pissed, bro. Oh my god! But he ain't saying nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> he mad, and I'm low key mad that he tried to embarrass me and made me call timeout. So let's get back. You know what, yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, I might get cut because me and him might end up boxing. But it is what it is. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you know, back then everybody fought. Everybody, me. yeah. You you it had was, to. It was always a you fist had fight. to be ready. Just to preface everything, these guys were mean. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? We came, it's in, the hand we check came era. into the generation where they had to stop hand checking because if you dudes just wasn't strong enough and they would just, you know, yeah. just prison bar you. You know what I mean? Just like give you the yeah. form. And so the GPs, you know, Ross, Strickland, all these guys, they are homies, they are big brothers, but it was like they like it's like having a real big brother. Yeah. Mean. Yeah. And we'll smack you in the mouth, bro. Yeah. And we'll elbow you in the mouth. You better look like if I hit this dude in the mouth, he gonna hit me back, or they gonna take it full advantage. Full advantage, right, but so re- but remember where I grew up from. In I my mean, household. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it was I was very comfortable. We in was that. very like cool with not being uh, confrontational. But if it was to be confrontational, I was comfortable. We was gonna turn it all the way. Up. I was already, what we did in Oregon. Yeah, we ran up at the Oregon game. Well, they tried to jump me. Well, at they the tried to rink. jump this fool. Like, yeah, they tried to jump him, dog. <laughs> we beat Oregon. <laughs> yeah, he go to the skating rink by himself. With Todd Ramazan. <laughs> I should have known. Hey, bro, I cannot go to a skating rink with a suburban bro. kid. Y'all out there gambling yeah, in Oregon after a win. Uh, they was already throwing rocks at the bus, calling us uh, dogs and shit. Oh, man. All kind of shit. So but they we, try to jump you at the uh, skating rink. Yeah. Some players, believe that. And then they came back to UCLA. Yeah, I we, remember, all I remember is getting my ankles taped and I was, my flip-flops. And then somebody ran in there. I forgot who it was. I think it was Moose. Yeah. He was like, oh, shit. Earl about to get the funkin', dog. <laughs> all I know, I just hopped off the table in my slippers, dog. And I am on the court in the slippers, dog. Yeah. We going to every dude on Oregon like, yo. Is it a problem, homie? Do we have a problem right now? Because we don't even have to get to the game. We no. can just lock up right game now. Over. Ain't no game. Ain't no refs out here. Let's lock up. And I remember going to every dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, man, that was that was some crazy so that, shit. Uh, you and not, we won by one point. Yeah, you hit the shot. But you're not going to jump me and think I'm not. I'm going you know, I'm, I'm to see you again. It's going to be cool. It's just different. So check this out. So GP, right? Well, that's when we got the was. Oh, that's when I hit the shot. Now when yeah. we got the layup and the steal. Yeah. Because the year before. Yeah. Man, we ripped, huh, boy? Yep. Yep. All right. So GP was like, so you, GP, the third, we, we're going to play against Utah. Right, I think it was like an exhibition, maybe like John Stockton. John Stockton. John so Stockton. I've never heard GP say anything good about any point guard ever in my life. He never said anything about you because he knew I was close to you. Mm-hmm. So he'd be like, "That's your boy." I'd be like, "Yeah." He'd be like, "How close are y'all?" I'm like, "Close enough to where if we get on the court, we probably <laughs> fight." Okay, that's all he was saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> John Stockton, right? He goes, "Hey, this boy right here." Cold white boy. Yo, you know what time it is. You know, this show wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for our sponsors. Let them have it. You don't take this for granted. You hear me? <laughs> this is a, you know, this, this this is a blessing for you. You know, when you when you face him, it's Mr. Stockton. The Stockton. I'm like, yeah, okay, bro. Like, you know, I, I love John Stockton too, but I'm gonna pick him up full court. Yeah. I get in the game, pick him up full court. I'm like, damn, this dude got like, you know, I'm like 21, just turning 20. Tell this dude got real chest hair coming out of Jersey, leg, dog. Like, leg hair. He's like a grown ass man. Yeah, he needs to manscape. Oh, man. Grown ass man. So I'm picking him up full court. Man, Stock didn't have a lot to him, but he hit them angles quick, right? Oh. Boom, 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 boom. 
And Stock ran his, his offense from inside college three. Because if you touched him, it was a foul. So, like, you know, you boom, boom. And I remember he get inside college. Like, he ain't not he is not about to walk me to the free throw line hey, bro, and run the play. He is about to walk you to the free throw line so, every fucking so, time. So, check dude. this out, Doc. So, I like, I, I stand him up, right? Uh-huh. And it, when I stand him up, we bounce off each other. And the ball go right past my face. I duck. I'm thinking it's a back door. No one's behind me. He was throwing the ball. He threw the ball at my face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yo. I look back at him. He said, back the fuck up. I'm like, yo, let me tell you something, dog. It's one thing I can't do is go back to my hood and get punked by John Stockton, who's a great. I got to pick him up again full court. Hey, dog, John Stockton but, was a bully, yo. A bully, yo. Hey, bro. But it was, a, it, was, it was also like that invisible test. Mm-hmm. If they could punk you, they would punk you. Yep. But if they wasn't going to punk you, then they respected you. Yep. Right? And that was my John Stockton intro to the league. And then the only dude I watched in college basketball at the point position was Jason Kidd. Mm. I got the Cal Berkeley Jason Kidd jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing it through a hood, and it's navy blue, and my hood was not navy blue. Yep. And I'm wearing it all in my hood because it's, it's Jason Kidd, dog. Yeah. Jason right? Kidd, legendary. And we go to face them, and Jay Kidd like to try to put smaller guards in the post. And this is what I learned. You know how like they post you, and you post to use that orange bar. Mm-hmm. I put my hand out. And when I put my hand out into his back to stand him up, he tried to turn immediately and elbow me on my wrist. Mm-hmm. And as he did that, we like collided and fell, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm gonna lock up and fall with you. Yeah. And he was like, "I'm gonna break that shit." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like all my childhood superstars, hey, dog. Like all my heroes, I can't even like them anymore. Yeah. So next time down, I'm just elbowing everybody in the fucking face. Yeah. Like I ain't got no friends in this place. Like NBA, I ain't got no friendships. I'm elbowing all my heroes in the face. It is what it is, dog. From this yeah. point on, I can't even be cool with you. You know, so that was my four and a fit to me was actually, man, fit to me was just, you know, that whole Lakers team, like just playing against that Lakers team with oh, Phil yeah. Jackson, Kobe, Shaq, like everyone there. System, the system was amazing. And I started, that's when I started to study, you know, the, the triangle and the passing and the mm-hmm. cutting and the rhythms of it. And then, you know, and Hubie Brown just, you know, solidified it we really pressed up full court because we didn't want them to get into all they passing and cutting, right? Mm-hmm. They'd just eat you up. The one the one NBA team that if <clears> they <throat> did pass and cut, yeah. they would eat you up. They would kill you because it always ended in a Shaq post or a Kobe ISO, right? So we would just press up, press up, and then we would stand up Shaq and make him try to walk you down to kill time because no one could go at Shaq with seven seconds on the clock. And no one could guard Kobe with any 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 of them. You couldn't guard him with any seconds on the clock, but you just want to limit that time and let the clock be your sixth defender. But that mm-hmm. whole Laker team was just is, is legendary. Man, you played with White Chocolate too. He was cold. Man, just, hot, he was so cold, bro. He, he would do things. He was and, such a fucking good point guard. He was ahead of his time. Yep. Talk, speak on it. Him, him right now. Because remember, all he did was shoot threes. Yep. But back then, analytically, yeah, coaches, they were just saying all his bad shots. Too many, yeah. Like you know, what I mean, too many threes. But this today, he would be celebrated as as you know, Kyrie yeah. level. Yeah. Like if you really think about it, he yep. was so skilled, and he would do dribble moves and spin Trae moves. Young type shit. Man, he's. I I think he was better than Trey Young, dog. Mm. He was bigger. He was better. His handle was better. Yeah. 
and he didn't have the freedom. He was never embraced to, to shoot a lot of threes like Trey Young is. He today. was never really embraced the way he should have been embraced. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think the way he came out and exploded yeah. when he was with Sacramento and like all they would do was show the highlights. But he was a damn good point guard, bro. He, he was, had like a hell of a assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when y'all was in Memphis, like he was damn good. Yeah, he was he was really good. And it was interesting because he had a unique dynamic with Hubie Brown. Mm -hmm. Like Hubie was so, so much older and was trying to tone. Coach Brown reminded me of Larry Brown. He mm -hmm. was trying to tone down like his 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 like, I don't know what his bop. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just, you know, try to make it simplify, but also give him space to do what he wanted to do. And Jay Will was like, you it's know. It's hard, yo. This is hard, too. And I, I remember them having a, you know, argument. And <laughs> I remember Hubie Brown saying, Jason, remember this. Pistol Pete never won shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, you know, like you had these arguments, but you can't. It's, it's one thing I learned about basketball players, dog. You cannot. Stop a basketball player from being himself. Mm -hmm. You have to embrace his identity in order for him to be a better player. And coaches are now starting to figure that out. Love that. And then any advice that you would want to give to point guards, right? What they would want to look out for, you know, like what is that sauce that if you can impart on young point guards listening to this show? I think you have to have the skill set and tenacity of Isaiah Thomas. Mm. I think because Isaiah was so far ahead of his time, this game and brand of basketball is perfect for his skill. It's almost like, you know, that toughness, the skill, the shot-making and playmaking ability is any point guard that has that in his system right now, which I don't know if we can say a point guard has the Isaiah Thomas in his system, young point guards, right. is, is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, and to me, he set the bar so study. Um, understand rhythms, understand flows, understand it's two dribbles removed from a screen. Mm -hmm. Don't just come down here and just get into your mix so quick. Um, Steve Nash was the best at this. Steve Nash would make his teammates better and kill in the last six minutes of a game because yep. he knew coaches don't like to waste their timeouts. Yep. So he hit you with all his counters late. You know, so you have that ability to understand you are a true maestro of music. You're a surgeon. When you go through and you perform, don't just give everything all at once. Control the game. You are sitting on the bench. Whether you started, you tired, your team is down, you've been in this position, you looked out, and it's a team you playing against on the court, and a motherfucking point guard is out there rocking. And you like, motherfucker, if I was on that side and you had to do what I do, oh my God, I'd eat your ass up. Put me, take Steve Blake off with the Lakers. <laughs> Thank Put you. me with Cole. Thank you. You know what Thank I mean? You. Put me on a team with Cole. Thank you. Any team Thank with Cole, you. take them out. Thank Put you. me with Cole, dog. Thank you. That, that mindset Steve with Cole. Blake, we take Derek Fisher off too. Man. We put Earl Washington. Smush that's Parker got to go. That's what I, hey, that, hey, that's what I needed to hear. It, it's no offense. It's just like, damn, bro, you have been gifted. Ugh. As a point guard, as a point guard, to be playing next to some greatness, you know what I mean? And and, and you know, hey, hypothetically, I like to have, you know what I mean? Like mine is like Steve Nash, like man, let me rock with Sean. Let me throw some lobs to Sean yeah. Marion, Amari Stoudemire, yeah. 
Quinn Richardson out there knocking down threes. Joe Johnson knocking down. Come on, man. Yeah. Oh, you know how many dunks I would get, dude? Yeah, you know but, I, but you was getting the most money on the team. Huh? So that's why it's hard for you to do that. No, hypothetically. But I'm saying, you have to take a pay cut. I wouldn't mind. I would not mind taking a pay cut to have one year where Steve Nash, right, yeah. would play point guard for the New Orleans Hornets. <laughs> At the same time, yeah. I can have his position yeah. to be the point guard for the Phoenix Suns. Or just switch the dudes in the jersey, you know, like yeah, switch, switch the style. Yeah, switch the style, yeah. Yeah, I want that style. Or Tony Parker. Yeah. You know, like Tony Parker, I fucking love Tony Parker, but I hate Tony Parker. <laughs> he kicked my ass. You know yeah. what I mean? I'll be like, yo, bro, like, ah. This is a You wanna it, get a you wanna get a pick from from Tim. Bro, this is it's unfair, easier. Bro, this is an unfair fight. Yeah. You got Ginobili, Tim. Pop. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm walking in. They y'all laugh, pop laughing at me before the game even started. Shit. <laughs> like we know we gonna lose. Yeah. So let Tony Parker be the dude that pop laughing at and let pop sick me on Tony I, Parker. I tell you, I wish Lord I, have mercy. I wish I had UB Brown for at least eight to ten years of my career coaching. That'd be so tough. what coach would you want to steal for me would be UB Brown everywhere I went. I I actually love playing for Nelly. Um I like I like playing. Uh, Byron Scott had a had a good system. Yeah, he had a good system. I just it, it just wasn't the right time. And uh, I like D'Antoni. Yeah, because D'Antoni shit, you Let get you to go. keep the ball in your hand the whole fucking time. Let you go. Yeah, yeah. So those would be like the three. But I I I I, I love playing for Nelly because he, Nelly was just like he would he made me a a more. Uh, a better all around like he used my overall talent yeah you know what i'm saying like he was like yeah he a point guard but he played me in the post like yeah. he made me like the best he moves around yeah he made me yeah. like the best post yeah. you know what I mean? like i was the post i was Shaq on our team you know what i yeah. mean and i like that because you know i used to work on my post game all the time you yeah. feel what i'm saying so i felt i had a post game and he was the first one to really like like you a better post up player than you are three point shooter. Yeah. So if I can get you behind, yeah that, yeah, that left block turns the slow turn right shoulder and fade. Yeah, man, this has been incredible, Earl. I feel like you know this part of 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 the Point God podcast. This is the first episode that's been different. It's been the life and times of Earl Watson, the molding, right, of a dog. Hey, what's up? This is Earl Watson, and you're listening to Point God with my bro, brother for life, Baron Davis. Point God is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 